Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Read through the Psalms. We're continually encouraged by God himself to just wait, wait. Come and sit with me. Come and hang out with me. Why are you in such a rush? Just chill out is what God would say. Just chill out. But you don't understand, Lord. Life's short. And if I don't do this stuff now, then what? Do you trust him? The answer should be yes. Then trust his timing. Trust his timing. We live in a country that is constantly moving fast. There's a rush to do the big things now and to keep up with the latest trends and hot topics. But as you listen to today's message, allow Pastor James to challenge you to slow down. In fact, the Bible tells you that your strength is renewed when you wait on the Lord. So wait on the Lord. Don't be in such a rush to do everything right now. Spend time with Jesus and ask the Spirit to guide you. Lean on Him and trust His good and perfect timing. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. need to know first and foremost, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the story is just starting. It's just beginning. It's just beginning. The journey has just begun. Don't do as so many people may do and they get their ticket punched like to heaven. Sweet. I'm going. Hey, that's good. That's awesome. Like I'm excited about heaven. I can't wait for that. New heaven, new earth. I cannot wait. But there's a pretty sizable gap from when that event happened in my life at 19 years old to when, whenever it is that he calls me home. There's a gap there. What are you doing? Well, I just thought I'd hang out, live life, the American dream. No, nonsense. That's nonsense. That's a distraction. No, no, no. You're a Christian. You're an ambassador for the king who's Jesus to represent him. The most exciting time of your life could very well be just in the surrender and just saying, all right, Jesus, I'm a missionary. That's what you are. You don't have to go to another country. You're a missionary. Christian equals missionary. Solved, period, right? Like, no questions. You're a missionary. Well, now be on mission, right? So that's what Jesus is telling us, guys. He's like, listen, I fulfilled all the scripture. I fulfilled everything, all the stuff that was prophesied concerning the Messiah. I did all that stuff. Now I'm sending you guys. I'm going to send you into the world to tell people about what? The gospel. But before you go, you need to wait. You need to hold on. And here's why. Verse 48 of still in Luke there. He says, you are witnesses of these things. And they both, they would testify to that. Luke would testify that through the book of Acts. Um, John, we know that he would testify to that, being a witness of all these things in 1 John. Remember he talked about, he's like, when we saw him, we not only saw the risen Lord Jesus, we touched the risen Lord Jesus, we hung out with him, we ate fish with him. Um, Like, yeah, he really came back from the dead. He really literally came back from the dead. We saw him die on the cross, 
We saw his body get thrown into that tomb, wrapped up in everything, and we saw him post-tomb. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. And Jesus is saying, you're all witnesses of these things, not just those things, the death, the burial, the resurrection, but then also the blind could see, the lame could walk, all the things the Messiah was going to do. He's like, you saw it all. Verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Well, what was the promise of the Father Well, remember back in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, listen, I need to leave. I have to go away, which sounds like it'd be the worst news ever, especially if you're somebody who's devoted three years of your life to follow this guy around. You're like, well, I got questions. Hold on. Wait, you're leaving? And you're saying this is the best thing for me is that you actually leave? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Because Jesus's goal was to turn the world upside down. And in order to do that, He's going to leave the scene, and the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who we believe is a person, is going to show up. He's going to show up. And so that's what he's saying here, the promise. And Jesus, he explained this to his disciples. He's like, I'm going to go away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, the promised one. He's going to come. So Jesus reminding his followers, behold, I'm sending the promise of, of my Father upon you, but... Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is a good lesson for all of us to learn as well, okay? Because sometimes we get so eager. You get excited. You want to just go and do something. I got to do something. I got to do something for the Lord. The best advice I could tell you is, okay, number one, hold on to that. Like, don't lose that, but wait. Wait till what? Wait till the Holy Spirit empowers you. Wait till that power, just like with these guys, He's sending them on mission, but before they can go and, you know, do what needs to be done in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the world, you can't do that without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You can't. And the same applies to all of us. And you may have goals, and I want to do this for the Lord. Well, that's beautiful. That's great. But you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. Never run ahead of the Lord. Don't run ahead of him. But it has to be now. If I don't do it now, then what? It's not going to work? Rethink that statement. Because then it sounds like it's more about you than it is about him. And I understand the angst. I understand the times we live in. I mean, it's just crazy, craziness. The day and age in which we live in, and it's becoming progressively more and more crazier, right? And so sometimes there can be this angst inside of us of like, man, we just got to go out there and we just got to do and do and do. It's like, no, maybe what the church needs to do is wait and wait and wait for the Holy Spirit to empower us. And then you go. You're way more effective if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit than you're trying to accomplish something out of your own strength. Remember that. I shared this quote with you guys before, but you had a pastor from one of the underground churches in China visit America, take a tour. All the churches in America, not all the churches, but some of the churches in America, the conclusion of his journey through the Western church in America, the thing that he left with, and as guys asked him, like, hey, so what did you think? Did you saw all our nice big buildings and fancy stuff and all that. His response was, I'm just so impressed by all that you guys can do without the Holy Spirit. And then he went back to China where the biggest church on the planet is happening. 
That was from an outside perspective of a guy who can't even do church legally or it'll cost him his life. And he's like, man, I'm just so impressed by all that you guys can do without the Holy Spirit. That's not a compliment. The best thing we could do as a church body is wait on the Lord. Is wait on the Lord. The best thing I can do as an individual who is a believer of Jesus Christ is to wait on the Lord. Read through the Psalms. We're continually encouraged by God himself to just wait, wait. Come and sit with me. Come and hang out with me. Why are you in such a rush? Just chill out is what God would say. Just chill out. But you don't understand, Lord. Life's short. And if I don't do this stuff now, then what? Do you trust him? The answer should be yes. Then trust his timing. Trust his timing. Just say, okay, Lord, I really want to go. I really want to do this. But I do not want to do this apart from you. I don't want to do this apart from you. So when you're ready, pour out the spirit on me, and let's just go for it, right? But it's that delicate balance of just knowing how to, like, just wait on the Lord, still be eager to go, but still just maintaining that balance of, like, I'm ready to go, but only when you say go, Okay? So he instructs these guys, you're going to go back. Uh, He says, but you stay in the city until you're clothed uh, with power from on high. Then he concludes, Luke concludes his gospel with this, verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany. That's Jesus leading out the guys. He lifted up his hands. He blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and were returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So if that's where the story ended for Theophilus, I mean, you can imagine, like, you just got this handwritten letter. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, let's just think of the practical aspects of this thing. Luke didn't send this thing to Theophilus. He sent a big scroll. And there's a lot of people that believe that Luke and Acts were actually on one scroll. That's a really long scroll, okay? That's a gigantic scroll. But you can imagine if he gets part one of this epic, epic journey. And there's Theophilus reads it, and he gets to that point. He's like, well, that's cool. That's a good story. But what happens next? And that's where we are at today as well as a church. Because the gospel is brilliant, beautiful, absolutely amazing books. But what happens next? The church is what happens next. That's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, it's the church. And so we're just going to really just kind of press into a few verses in Acts. So you can now turn to the book of Acts if you want. This is the beginning of, and this is why we titled this, the whole theme for, for the however long we're in this book, and it's going to be a while, is unstoppable. Because this movement, not started by man, do not be misguided. It was not started by man. This is a movement started by Jesus himself is unstoppable. And I don't care what the statistics say concerning the American church. I don't care what the numbers are. The church that is, belongs to God is unstoppable. There may be churches dying all around us. There may be. Maybe some of them need to die out. I don't know. But I know this, the church of God that is started by Christ, that happened because of the Holy Spirit falling on these individuals, is absolutely unstoppable. Jesus himself said the same thing. He's like, listen, the gates of hell can't even prevail against this thing. 
So you're in a good place. You're connected to a church, a healthy body where the word is taught. You should consider yourself in a good place. You're in a good spot. Because this thing, the church, globally, capital C, is not going to die. There will be a day where this thing is taken away. That's called the rapture. That can happen any day now. Literally, that can, there's nothing prophetically that is standing in the way of the rapture of the church. There is absolutely nothing. All prophecies concerning that have been fulfilled. There's nothing that stands in the way. You need to understand that in this last hundred years, those last prophecies were knocked out. Israel is a nation. Israel is a nation again. What about the temple and all that stuff? It's not, that doesn't have to happen before the rapture. And I can tell you this, having been over to Israel three times, they're ready to build a temple right now. They have everything they need to build a temple right now. So that should send like maybe some goosebumps or whatever you may call them. Like that should send like some sort of a, I would hope it's an excitement kind of a thing of like the rapture can literally happen at any moment in time. And that's when the church is done. Gone. The church age is done. We're gone. But we're not there yet, which must mean the book of Acts is continuing on. See, we'll get to the end of the book of Acts. I will say the exact same thing that we said concerning the end of Luke. Well, what happens next? Welcome to the book of Acts, part three. We're living it. It's still going. It's still going. But we got to go back to the beginning to see how this thing started. So verse 1, chapter 1, book of Acts, written by Luke. I think I said that. That should be clear. Uh, or written around like, I don't know, 62 to 64 AD. It had to be written before the destruction of Jerusalem, okay, which happened in 70 AD. Um, so a lot of people believe that. I mean, it's, you can kind of go back and forth on some of the dates. But somewhere in between 62 and 64 AD. That's the sweet spot, okay? So somewhere within there, that's when this letter was written, all right? To Theophilus, somebody who they believe is not Jewish, there's not a lot that's known about this guy, but obviously he had questions about who's this guy Jesus? And Luke's like, I'll tell you about Jesus. I'll write you a whole letter <laughs> inspired by the Holy Spirit that has been preserved for all these years for us to be able to enjoy as well. And now you get part two of this epic journey. And just so you know, um, most sequels to good movies are horrible, okay? They're, you know that. Um, you know it. You already know it. I don't even have to name any movies. You're already thinking like, yeah, that's probably true. I can tell you this. The book of Acts, oh, so sweet. It's so good. It's such a good book. And I, that's part of your homework from today is just to read the book of Acts. Verse 1 says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began keyword, began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. We just read about that. After he had given commands, we just read about that, okay? The Great Commission, that's part of the commands. Now, there are other commands that were associated with that, but he's speaking more specifically of the Great Commission, all right? So after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, now they're not disciples anymore. They are apostles, ones who were sent, okay, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, 
appearing to them during 40 days, 40 over a month, Jesus was hanging out on this planet post-resurrection. 40 days. 40 days. Well, was he hiding from other people? No. No. You have, and Paul himself is going to explain that to the church of Corinth, saying, like, listen, there were a lot of people who saw Jesus post-resurrection, like 120 some odd. There was, like, a lot, hundreds of people, eyewitness accounts of the fact that, yeah, the same guy that died on that cross was walking around three days later. Eyewitness testimonies of that event. They're all delusional. Really? They're all, like, having hallucinations. Really? The same one? Really? No, it's aliens. It's always aliens. That's one of the, and you're like, what? Really? Okay. We will come up with anything and everything to just not believe in Jesus. We will. It's, he's got a twin brother. It was his twin. His twin brother that Mary hid in the basement until the day he died. That's a theory. He was never really a human. He was a spirit. He never really died on the cross. The coolness of the tomb brought him back to life. And I'm like, what? I'm not a medical expert, but I know this. The flesh gets ripped off of your back, and you got spikes pierced through your medium nerves through here, your wrists and your ankles, and you suffocate. On, that's what killed him. You suffocate. His heart exploded in his chest. And the coolness of a tomb, that's it. That's, that's all you need. Oh, man, I got a bum back. I guess I would just go hang out in the cave for three days, and I'll be fine, right? Like, what? Seriously. That's a theory. Luke's like, listen, along with 100-some-odd eyewitnesses, like, no, that guy that died on that cross was walking around for 40 days afterwards, and he was eating fish. He was like a real person. Many proofs appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And here it is. Here's this reminder again. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. See, the language is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we do not have time to cover that today. That's why we will cover that next Sunday. Because what does that mean? What does that mean for the Christian? What does that mean for anybody, this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And what's a sign of that? How do we know that that actually happened? Is it tongues? No, not always. We'll talk more in depth concerning that. But here's Luke talking to his buddy Theophilus. He's like, okay, here's the story goes on. Let me remind you, it's like a recap. You know, in the 80s, like, we didn't, have, we didn't have internet. And if you watched a movie that was a part one, sometimes you needed a recap because you don't even have DVDs. You had VHS, right? You guys remember those beautiful glory days of VHS where it's all, like, wavy and stuff? But uh, you had sometimes they had to put a recap on the part two just to remind you what you watched in the first one because even sometimes movie availability wasn't all that, you know, wasn't always around. So you're like... This is kind of like Luke's recap to Theophilus of like, remember what I talked to you about? Remember in that letter I wrote to you and how that ended? Well, let me remind you of that, but then use that to segue or to bridge over into how this whole thing started. So 
That's Luke walking Theophilus through this whole just beautiful origins of the church. And there is a big push um, right now. I don't know how big it is. I can't really say it's major push, but there's a push in churches to get back to the original church, the book of Acts kind of a church. And I understand that. I agree with that. Sometimes I don't always understand what they mean by that. I'm like, oh, okay, what are you talking about? Some would even say, like, even meeting in this church building, well, this isn't part of the original story. You got to go back to, what, homes? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. That's fine, whatever. But you can also have a building. It's not against the Bible to have a building. And so maybe more people can show up if you have a building, and you can proclaim the gospel that way. The getting back to the book of Acts in that sense, I would agree with it in the extent of like the power of the Holy Spirit and the heart behind it and getting away from the commercialism and getting away from all the stuff. It's like, no, I just what? And we'll see that in Acts chapter two. We want to keep it simple. What should it be about? What should be about the word of God? It should be about celebrating his body, communion, breaking bread with each other, fellowship. It should be about those things. It should be about worship. And that's through song, but that's through giving. That's through our lives. It's getting back to a simplicity of just following Jesus. I don't need the show. I don't need the show. We don't need the performance. We don't need Broadway. We need just simplicity. And just to keep it about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And some churches, they have the show. And that's fine. I don't care. Whatever. That's totally fine. They're gifted in that way. That's great. As long as the focus is Jesus, and as long as we're going to show up on a Sunday morning, and this thing's going to be opened, and we're going to teach from this, from beginning to end. That's what I want to get back to. And so my prayer, it's just so you guys would know, this whole week is, Lord, as we go through the book of Acts, I pray that you would mess Calvary Galveston up in the best possible way, that you would just mess us up, mess us up to where we get back to where it's like, what do we need? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And we're going to hold fast to core doctrines and all this stuff. We're going to hold fast to those things. And we're going to stay focused on him because we believe that he can come back at any moment, and we believe that that time is short. So we want to be as effective as we possibly can, but you can't be all that effective unless you have the Holy Spirit poured out on the believers. So we'll talk more about that in depth next week, like I said, but that's just the precursor, the intro to the book of Acts. Read it. Maybe read it with that new lens, that new filter Read it in that way. This is like between Luke and Theophilus. Maybe that helps you to understand it. Like, man, this book is like really sweet. This book is really cool. All these stories, can you just imagine? It's like The Princess Bride. You guys remember that movie? Okay. I can't recommend it, but I think it's a great movie. That movie starts off with what? A grandpa reading to his grandson, this epic story. I love looking at, and that's fictional. What we're looking at with Acts is fact. And it's that much more engaging to me when I understand that these things really happened. And so I want to, man, I want to read about shipwrecks. I want to read about all these things and escapes, prison escapes kind of stuff. And people being stoned basically to death and then coming back to life. And I want to read about those things. And I want to know, man, the Lord was doing amazing things in the church. And these were real things that happened. For a believer that lives now, that encourages me, that excites me, that the same God who was working at this time is still active today, still active today. 
story of Acts continues on. You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken.